So this last week, <clears throat> I've been continuing to read John's Gospel, especially John 20, when Jesus has risen from the dead in the tomb. And as I was reading, listening to these stories again of Mary and the disciples and then Thomas last week, and listening again how, for, even for these faithful followers of Jesus, believing that he rose again was hard for them. It was hard for them to, to believe it, to realize it. But then I also realized this other thing. Once they did realize it, pretty quickly, Jesus sent them out on mission. And I, I was looking through all four Gospels to see if this is true of all of them, and it is. And in each of the Gospels, Jesus is risen, and he talks with his disciples, and pretty quickly, he sends them out on mission, on his mission, to tell the world good news, that the Savior has come, and that he has restored, he has reconciled us to our Father in heaven. But I see how hard it is for them. They weren't, they weren't expecting it. I mean, all of his disciples go to the tomb expecting to see his body still there. We'll talk some more about that in a minute. And it takes a while for them even to realize. It's surprising, even when Mary is talking with Jesus, she doesn't realize who he is. She thinks he's the gardener, the man taking care of the tombs. It's hard for people to realize but then Jesus shows up and he does something miraculous. He reveals himself to them, that he is alive, that he is risen, and everything changed for them. Not only do they believe and start calling him things like God or the Son of God or Lord or Savior, but he also pretty quickly then sends them out on mission, sends them out to tell others this good news. Sends him out to tell people that he is not dead. Actually, he is risen, that he is alive, that he is the Savior. I don't know, have you ever read these part the ends of the gospel? And seen how hard it is sometimes for the disciples, those who were with him for three years and saw him do all these amazing things, and it was still hard for them to believe that he was risen. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Or if you've ever thought about how Jesus pretty quickly sends them out he doesn't take another three years to train them and send them to Bible school or anything. He just sends them out with good news. And it's interesting to think, like, what does this mean for us? You know, because we talk in this church family, we talk quite a bit about mission and the mission of God and our mission of joining him in it. And sometimes I wonder if it can, maybe people have questions. You know, is mission really central to who we are? You know, maybe some of you have been in other churches where mission is something like a program that you do or something you can be involved in if you want to. And yet here, we often talk about it as central to our faith, central to what it means to be following Jesus. Does Scripture bear that out? Are all of us included in it, right? In this mission of God? Does that mean all of us? You know, because there was a time when mission was reserved for the professionals. You know, those people who were missionaries, who were trained and sent somewhere far away. And yet here we are talking about mission and us having a purpose in our community right here. I don't know, have you ever had those questions or wondered about that? Well, I've been listening to this passage. And if you would, if you'd open up your Bibles to John chapter 20. I also have it here on this white sheet, if you want to use it in your bulletin. John chapter 20, verse 24 to 31. Let me just give you just quick background again. So Jesus was crucified. And then on the first day of the week, Sunday, his disciples went to the tomb and found that it was empty. 
Mary came and she found that it was empty and so she returned. She went back to the other disciples and went and got them. And then they came running to the temple and it's interesting, John talks about, or the, John's gospel, the writer of John's gospel, I think it was John, John talks about him and Peter, how they raced to the tomb and how he won. <laughs> but they come and they see and, and Peter sees the, the linens piled up. Oh, sorry, John sees the linens piled up and he believes. And then they go, and they go back to their home. Excuse me. And then the disciples, so that's where we pick up the story here. So at, at verse 10. <laughs> uh, then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated there, where Jesus, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where, they have, where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means my teacher. But Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that she told them that he had said these things to her. So it's pretty interesting as I'm watching this story or listening to the story again, and we watch as, as Mary goes from agnostic to apostle, as she goes from saved to sent. You see, Mary needed a conversion. Even Mary at the tomb, she needed a conversion. Because she was there, she wasn't expecting to see Jesus risen. She was asking everybody, Have you, do you know where they put him? Tell me where he put him and I'll go get him. She even says that to Jesus because she doesn't recognize him. She wasn't expecting to see Jesus risen, which is a little surprising. I mean, a little. I mean, I get it because no one had ever done that before. Completely different than anyone had, than anyone had ever experienced Jesus rising from the dead. But still, I mean, she saw him do some pretty amazing things, Right? Jesus did some pretty amazing stuff, healing people and raising Lazarus from the dead. And so it's a little surprising for me. But she's at the tomb and she's weeping. She's there just crying because she, don't, she doesn't know where Jesus has gone, where they've taken him, where they've taken his body. And then she gathers up some courage and she looks into the tomb. And she sees two angels there. And they talk to her. <laughs> and they say, they say uh, woman, why are you crying? And I think I would have freaked out right there. <laughs> Looking into a tomb and seeing two angels dressed in white that look obviously different than anybody else you'd ever seen. And they talk to her. But I think she is so upset. She says to him, they have taken my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. Maybe it doesn't even occur to her that these are angels speaking to her. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't occur to her that she's looking for Jesus and all the things that he said have come true and that he's not there. It's in Luke's gospel that the angels say to her, you know, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And they also say, you know, don't you remember all the things that he taught you? 
that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and crucified, but on the third day he's going to rise again. Don't you remember these things? They don't, we don't, John doesn't tell us if they said those things to her. They just say, woman, why are you crying? And it still doesn't occur to her that maybe all these things that Jesus said are true and he is risen. So she turns around and she sees Jesus. And he asks her the same question. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And I think if I could just, if I could say it with like a little bit of uh, adding to it, I mean, I want to be careful, but I almost hear Jesus saying to her, what do you think you're doing here? Like, who do you think you're looking for? Because the one you're looking for said he wouldn't be here. So I hear Jesus in, a, in this gentle, almost playful way, kind of saying, you know, Mary, what are you doing here? Why are you crying? Isn't apparent to you? And she still doesn't get it. I mean, she's still so upset. She says, she thinks, it says, John says, it thinks it was the gardener, says, Sir, if, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. She's still thinking that Jesus is dead and that he's somewhere dead and she has to go find him. And then Jesus lets her off the hook. He breaks through and he just says, Mary, just Mary. And I was reading another uh, pastor and he was saying, you know, it's like the words that Jesus taught them about the good shepherd. The good shepherd calls and the sheep, they listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and then he leads them out. And when he's brought all of them out, he goes on ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. And he says to her, Mary. And it's like everything comes rushing in. All the miracles, all the signs, all the things that Jesus taught, all the prophecies about what the Son of Man must suffer and that he would rise again, everything comes flooding back and she gets it. And she believes. And she cries out, Rabboni, which means my teacher. And I can only imagine she runs up to him and grabs onto him. Very expressive culture. <laughs> but she runs up and she grabs onto him. You know, and people struggle with this. You know, what does Jesus say? It's kind of, it's very, uh, Greek is, um, it's like three words. And we try to translate it as Jesus. Like, what does he say? You know, does he say, you know, don't touch me which is kind of some of the older translations. But actually, if you, there's other ways to hear it, and I've heard it more as Jesus saying, Mary, you, you can't keep holding on to me. Mary, you have to let me go, because I've not ascended to my Father yet. And you can just imagine her wanting to just hold on to him. She thought that she had lost him, and here he is, alive, risen. And she's saying, Mary, you, you can't, I know, like, I'm, I'm glad to see you, but you, you can't hold on to me. You have to let me go. And I think of this as, as somewhat um, speaking to us as well, too. You know, because we, we come to faith in Jesus, and he changes our lives again and again. We see him showing up in our lives and changing. And we just, we just want to hold on to him. We just want to go to that private place and spend time with him, just us and Jesus. And that's good. I think Jesus desires that, and he meets us in those places. But he also says... you. We can't just meet here all the time. I've got things that I need to do and I've got things that I want you to do. I hear Jesus saying, Mary, you can't keep just holding on to me. I have to go. I have to go, but also I've got things I need you to do. 
I've got things that I want you to do. And you see, I th- sometimes I think that we, we think that we can really only connect with Jesus in that really private, special place. And maybe that is the best place. But I think I want to encourage us also, too, that Jesus is also out there. He's out in our community, at our neighbor's house, at our friends. He's also there, and that we can meet with him there, too. It looks a little bit different, but he is there, out on mission. His Holy Spirit at work, working in our friends, our neighbors, those people that we've been praying for and hoping for, those people we've been looking for opportunities or maybe even taking opportunities to talk about what faith has meant for us. Or maybe they're the ones who are asking us, you know, why do you go to church on Sunday? Or, you know, I've been watching this show, The Bible, on Netflix, and what do you think of that? Or people say, my life is just going down the drain right now and I need help those conversations where God is already at work. It's funny, I was thinking about it this morning, um, just listening and remembering people's stories and how people constantly say, like, you know, I, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, I look back over my life and those years before I followed him and I can see so many times where God, where the Holy Spirit was at work in my life. Sometimes I recognize it and I just, you know, kind of went my own way. Sometimes I didn't even recognize it. Yet now I see how many times I hear that. So Jesus says to her, and I hear this for us too, we, you, you can't keep holding on to me. I've got things I need to do and I've got things that I want you to do to meet Jesus out in mission. And that's exactly what happens with Mary. Jesus sends her out on mission. And he sends her with this good news to his brothers. I don't know if, that's, if you, any of you caught that. I mean, we call each other family um, pretty regularly. But... Jesus calling the disciples, go tell my brothers. That's, it's a subtle thing, but it's, it's big. Because when Jesus is at the night before he's betrayed, or the night that he is betrayed, he's praying with his disciples, and he tells them, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Because servants, doesn't know, servants don't know what the master's doing, but friends do. You are my friends. And then right here, he calls them brothers. Even more than friends, more than servants, these are his brothers, his family because of what he's done. And he says, I'm going to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Now, that's a really short little sentence and you could blow right by it. But when you start thinking about what that means in light of the cross, in light of Jesus' resurrection, that is huge. I would say that's the most profound statement, the most profound event that has happened in the relationship between humanity and God since Adam and Eve. See, in the beginning, Adam and Eve had this amazing relationship with God, and then because of rebellion, because of deceit, they rebelled against God. They refused to go his way. And there was forever this, well, not forever, but there was for a long time this huge split between humanity and God. We were cut off from God. And then Jesus, the Savior, comes, and through his life, through what he teaches us on how to live, through his death on the cross, his taking our place, through his resurrection, showing us that death has been defeated, we have been made right with our Father in heaven. Now we can call God in heaven, the God who created everything. Dan, like you were saying, this God who created this world around us, this Lord who is sovereign over everything, we can call that God Father because of Jesus. We've been reconciled to our Father in Heaven. 
No longer does our brokenness or our pettiness or our selfishness, no longer do these things separate us from God. It's because of Jesus and what he's done. We have a new relationship with him. We have been reconciled through Jesus. Amen. So we've been reconciled to our Lord God. Through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, we've been reconciled. And she goes to say, go tell this to my brothers. So she is sent on mission. And I believe she's an example for all of us. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, that's Mary. Like, she's a Bible person. (laughs) I'm just me. But think about Mary's position for a minute. So she, it's been about two minutes since she's fully realized that Jesus has risen. About two minutes. And he sends her out with good news to share with people on mission. And some of you may think, well, it's Mary Magdalene. She's a Bible character. You know, in John's Gospel, she's only, her name is only mentioned three times at the cross and then here at the tomb. In the other Gospels, she's mentioned a few other times. But she's one of the, kind of the, the people on the outer circle of Jesus. It seems like maybe she's one of his disciples. But she's not Peter and James and John, one of the guys on the inner circle. She's kind of on the edge. So she's not one of the top guys. In fact, she's, she's a woman. And I'm grateful that things have changed a lot in our culture, but in the first century, it's pretty scandalous to have a woman disciple. And Jesus sends her as the first link. Jesus sends her as apostle to the apostles. Teacher to the apostles. He sends her, the first missionary, to go and tell his brothers the good news that he is risen and that he's going to their God, to his God and to their God, to his father and their father. I say this to, to point out that, that Mary had no special training. Jesus didn't say, okay, you've believed me, you've realized that I'm risen now, so let's figure out when we can get you enrolled in Bible school or seminary. He just sends her. Apostle to the apostles. And I say this to encourage us. Because sometimes I think we think, well, I, you know, I just became a believer last year. Or I just became a believer two or three years ago. You know, I, I feel like I need to know more. And that's, you know, bless you for your humility. But don't let that stop you. You know enough already. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you've been a Christian for two minutes, God has equipped you to go and to tell others this good news. Maybe sometimes we think, you know, that, um, well, I'm just, I'm just not gifted that way. And, you know, there's, that's true. There are some people who have this gift of evangelism. They can just gather a crowd and they can start talking and people, next thing you know, people are lining up to receive Christ. There's just some people who are gifted like that. Praise God, there are people like that. But then there's mission for the rest of us where we go and we live these lives, these questionable lives in front of people. And by questionable, I mean the sort of lives where people ask us questions because we don't fit their categories. Why do you do this? You know, I mean, we we live in the same neighborhood, but I realize that you actually give a lot of money away to help people. Why do you do that? Or we live in the same neighborhood, and we're always asking you to come boating with us on Sunday morning, and yet you say you, you can't, you've got church. What's that about? What do you do with that? 
Or why do you devote so much time to helping people in our community? Or why do you spend time with our one neighbor who is just, we know drives all of us crazy. Why are you spending time with him? And then we have that opportunity, that questionable life to say, well, God's done amazing things in my life. The Holy Spirit has been at work in me. Or Jesus saved me. Just that simple. We have those conversations, those questionable lives. That's how God has equipped us as missionaries, people with purpose in our community. So I say this to encourage us, that mission really is central. Jesus is risen, and the first thing he says to his disciples is, go and tell others this good news. He sees it with, we see it with Mary. Next week we'll look at how his conversation with his disciples in the upper room. Same thing, he tells them to go. He sends them out. Mission is not uh, a program or uh, an extra event if you have time. Mission is central to who we are as followers of Jesus. Telling other people, living in front of them, and then looking for opportunities to tell them that Jesus really is Lord and he's changed our lives. So I see this in Mary, going from saved to sent. And I have some ideas of how this works out in our lives, but I'm actually really interested to hear from you. I'm really interested to hear from you, those of you, if you've been listening to God, and if you, how God is sending you right now. Maybe who he's sending you to, or where he's sending you to. I'm curious to hear from you. How is God sending you? 